the two divides. In this instalment of Basic Freedoms, Ari Gold talks to star of Showtime's Dice and Comedy Central's Another Period, comedian and actress Natasha Leggero. You can also watch episodes and follow us at basicfreedoms.tv. So uh, I will say that when I first met you in New York, you were not yet a comedian. And I remember you came out to L.A. and um, as we you know, would run into each other and see each other and every time I'd come out west, I was surprised. It seemed like it came out of nowhere that you um, not only had a knack for comedy but seemed to really want to pursue it and you were, were willing to go out every night and try out material for four people or two people or one Did person. Did you come to some of those shows? <laughs> so many. So many. I would get, my brother and I would, come, would give you notes, remember? remember? We would like write down this worked, this didn't work. You can also watch episodes and follow us at basicfreedoms.tv. Often like my brother and I were the only people at your that's shows. That's true. I do feel artistically, though, that New York is, um, you're in survival. At least I was in survival the entire time. So when you're in survival, you're just trying to, like, afford to eat your meal, and you're not really having the luxury of, like, facing yourself artistically and, like, mm-hmm. what would be the best thing for you to do or what would be the most inspiring thing. I, I had the opposite effect. Like, everyone thinks they get inspired in New York. I wasn't really inspired in New York. I was more just, like, desperate and trying to, like... And there was no jobs, and, you know, it's like, and you, you thought you had to be there, but really it's kind of dumb to be there because there's only, like, two shows that even cast there. And, um, so then I just started doing stand-up here because I saw some girl do it, and she was... I knew her from New York, and I was like, oh, you can just, like, stand on stage and talk. Like, I didn't really know what it was. Did you think... She sucks, and Mm-mm. wow, that's easy. No, I thought she was, like, similar or something. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, because I thought you had to be, like, to be a comedian, you had to be, like, you know, an old man in a suit talking about your wife. Like, I didn't really right. know. I was more, like, into music. Right. So I, I didn't really ever go out to comedy shows. Mm-hmm. So so, was so like I saw big... this girl who I know who was just, like, cool, and I was like, oh, she's just, like, standing on stage talking about how dumb people are. And I was like, I could mm-hmm. do that. Mm-hmm. So and now and now you're um, you've created your own show mm-hmm. and uh, another period. Yeah, do you do you feel like all of your um, cylinders get to fire when you're um, creating and and starring or? Yes, the only thing that I find that isn't firing sometimes is I get into a bad mood and I get like overwhelmed, mm-hmm. and you have to like tell yourself you're in such a cool position. Right. You know, so I think just like really trying to maintain your uh, energy to be positive yeah. and to be emanating positive energy to everyone around it's you. the hardest thing. As a director, too, I have the same thing. But it makes like, such a difference, and it, like, it's everything. blasts out to everybody, and so... Uh, but what pisses... Like, what, what are your, like, um, weak spots where you feel your mood goes sour on set? Like, if I look in the mirror, my bangs look bad. Just kind of, like, go off. When I've done network TV shows, not that I was producing, but that I was acting in, you get so used to them, like, you're like, um, can I get a different necklace? And then all of a sudden, like, a rolling rack of jewels, and then someone's like, can I get you ice cream? And then someone's like, I have to powder your bangs. There's one person powdering your bangs. There's someone else putting slippers on your feet. Like, you just get so used to, like, not doing anything that, uh, yeah, you can start to, like, 
get those feelings of like, wait a second, you know, don't bother me, I have this, or you know, you don't want to like comply with people, and I mm -hmm. just think like, just those energies for me are the most important thing to kind of actively fight against, recognize right. and fight against. Eric Romer, the uh, director who was directing films until he was 92, a uh, very long career, never That's like cool. wildly successful, but always successful enough to keep going. Amazing. Uh, but he would have, he would break his crew every day, apparently around four in the afternoon and make them tea. And specifically, he <laughs> made them tea. That's cool. He didn't have a craft service break where people went out and got tea or the pit or candy was brought to set. He would personally be the one to put on the pot and make the tea and sit with everyone and talk. And I, hearing about that, I thought, well, what a wonderful way to sort of keep your little crew and your low-budget film and your low-budget actors, um, keep the morale up and keep your own sense of the, you know, the beauty of what you're doing. And, in and a people sense, are the dedicating their, 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 life, their life energy to you, you know, yeah. it's like at least 12 hours a day and, you know, they're they probably get home and don't have any energy to do shit and yeah. it's because they're helping you create your dream you yeah. know so so I, I i've tried to incorporate some of those ideas whether it's the you know the tea in the afternoon oh really you've made your crew tea no i haven't made my crew tea <laughs> i've tried in my own way to bring positive energy and that you know in my case can sometimes crank up to manicness but manicness can work too because if you're if you're if you're manic, you're focused. You're, you're you're focused, and other people try to meet that. Mm -hmm. So I'd rather be manic and have other people hustling and being like, "Oh, let me see if I can improve that," than as kind of like, "Hey, man, it's all chill," and then everyone's chill, and it's like, "Oh, wait a minute, three hours has went by." So I don't know if the tea thing would work for me, although I think it's beautiful. By the way, sorry, but looking at all of these Bernie things all over this place, it would be very funny if this was a functioning diner. <laughs> like the <laughs> kinds of arguments you would get in them with people. Yeah. I almost wish it was just for that. I have friends who are like just very into Hillary Clinton, which I always find slightly confused. I always find that slightly confusing too. <laughs> like when you're like really into her, that's what's kind of weird. Uh, Ancient nice history, set. right? I know. I feel just awful. I think it's a... Uh, kind of a sad time. However, the thing we were just talking about, you know, trying to keep your energy to a place that's like positive and you're, everyone you're encountering, you're trying to make their life better, not worse. Mm -hmm. um, I think that is at least a small thing, as naive as, naive as that might sound. Or no, it's that not sound. naive at all. I actually have a word for it. It's called interpersonal environmentalism. And it's the environmentalism of yourself, you know, like what's your footprint of like being an asshole? <laughs> right. So the Women's March, I went in San Francisco. It was, um, I mean, it was cool. It was, or I went in Oakland. It felt like such an amazing thing. But then like, you know, you read and a week later and it's like, oh, there weren't that many people. Who well, cares? No, Look, you can't take away the... the the truth of but that day. But they did take it away. Well, but no. This was the largest mass protest in human history. The Women's March was the largest but protest in human history. But why can't we, like, history. get that out more? Like, instead, it's just like, he's there, like, look at, look at how many people are at my inauguration. We're basically living in a post-fact era. And I think it just started. So I'm not exactly sure 
how how to be in that world, especially as a comedian. So it actually makes me want to start making stuff up. <laughs> well, yeah, you could, but I think the other thing is that comedians have always. I mean, you think about you know the the uh, the fool in in the court. The comedian's job actually is to be the one who has the guts to tell the truth. And right, so but sometimes when I'm making bullshit. my points, you know, like I was tweeting something like, because I didn't know that Trump left <laughs> Tiffany's mom from Miss Hawaiian Tropic. And then I found this picture of them and I was posting it. But then I was like, oh, I'm not sure if that's the Miss Hawaiian Tropic that he left her for. And I'm like, who cares? It doesn't matter anymore. It's like, right. it's just, I mean, not that that's a big deal, but, you know, it's just like, if, if, I don't know, it just gets very... I think, I think you know, if you have a sense of the truth and taking the higher ground of, of being honest, I think we have a greater obligation. I think one of the reasons that Hillary lost is because though she, you know, had done some good things and, you know, had some good positions, some good positions, she also uh, didn't reckon with her dishonesty. And you can't have it both ways. You can't play the honest card while being kind of dishonest. You got to go all the way with it. You got to be honest. I know, honest. but apart from Bernie, is there any politician that you've been attracted to in your lifetime? Sexually? No, but I mean, the very nature. I mean, imagine what are they peddling? They're like peddling themselves. You've got yeah. to be like slightly yeah. oh, psychotic. Yeah, and that's what was great about Bernie was one sense that he was not peddling himself. Though so he's rare, that doesn't mean there shouldn't Why be. Why is he so old? <laughs> Who's the new, like what's the... I don't know, Tulsi Gabbard, maybe we'll have to see about her, but okay, he's rare. Okay, there have been few politicians whose trade has been the truth, but um, let's set that as a standard and let's not fall for any, any bullshit anymore and that includes I'm sorry to say but that includes then being doubly pure in yourself and even in your comedy where like if you're gonna post the Hawaiian Tropic you know girlfriend of Donald Trump pick the right one take the extra minute to find the right one so that when if if you're ever called to task for it you can you can actually point to your record and say look I, I have not lied you can also watch episodes and follow us at basicfreedoms.tv. You know a lot about history. Are there any countries that you can think of or any times in history, or maybe Howard knows, where we've, they've also been in this post-fact era and what happens? Well, I mean... Where facts are no longer really... You know... He just says yeah, that the well, news Germany, is fake well, or that CNN's this lying. Is, to or, some degree, this is what happened in Germany in the 30s. And obviously, people are quick to jump to the Hitler comparison, and we can argue about whether that's um, panic or real, but uh, that is what happened in Germany. The Munich Post was closed. All the free press was, clo was sort of one by one were, were taken out. And then the only press that existed was a uh, press that was... Um, approved by by uh, Hitler and Goebbels and in Stalinist Russia they did the same thing Germany recovered I would say largely because they had a many centuries tradition of literacy and to, to fall back on mm -hmm. so though there was a generation that missed it the generation that came of age during the 30s was really uh, lost after the war because they didn't get that culture. But that culture still existed in Germany. And also, you know, let's give some credit 
I think, to the United States rebuilding Germany and ensuring free press and ensuring the values, the American values of 1945 of, you know, the rock-solid free press. Of course, America had its interests as well, but uh, in general, there was a um, push to rebuild society with that as a complete foundation. And, and free press doesn't mean you can say whatever you want. Free press means you can say the truth and you have to back it up with research. And what we've lost now is the backing it up with research. It's like if you can shout it into, you know, on a talk show, then it's a fact, you know, like with climate change, someone can shout that it's actually a government conspiracy to steal money from oil, oil companies and take away freedom because secretly they want us all to be communists. And that gets equal play to the scientists who say, no, it's actually happening because of the gases we are putting in the atmosphere, full stop. And you put those two arguments side by side, and it's like, well, 50-50. And now you have this, problem. now if you had this problem in 1950, I'd say, okay, you know, in intelligence will win. But right now we have this problem, and now we have the internet, which is like a complete distraction. So people want to help and they want to do things, but they're just so consumed and distracted that they can't even. So I just think that like with the internet and with someone in charge who um, is pretty much has mental illness and is completely unprofessional, like he was tweeting about The Apprentice and what a loser Arnold Schwarzenegger, like that's not something that someone in a high position tweets. Yeah. So it's like the whole, the whole combo it's probably what whatever happens is unprecedented. It is unprecedented. <laughs> because I don't, I mean, at least in Germany, like, you know, every seven, seven-year-old could probably recite, you know, poems. And everyone was, like, extremely, like, intelligent and overeducated. And now it's like we're all distracted by our phones. And Yeah, it's a, it, it is a... It's a bad combo. It's a dangerous combo. Um, well, I think fear... If we recognize that fear is is an enemy, just fear, greed, hatred, and delusion. Greed, fear, and delusion, one could say. These are things within us. Greed in us, fear in us, delusion in us. We have to fight first, and then we can fight it in society. How did this happen, Ari? The foundation of our economic system is one in which growth and the markets and the multiplication of money is seen as the ultimate good. And, and capitalism is a virus, and it's and, making us sick. And we, and we have taken on this idea that as long as it grows, then goodness will reign out of that. It's almost like it's a religion. Really, we have turned money into God. And, that's, and so the natural result of having a society in which the movement of money is the equivalent of God, then you're going to have a billionaire who lies and it is delusional and full of hatred as your president. That, that is the shadow, that is the dream, the nightmare beast in the subconscious of a system that has turned money into God. That's what we get. So how do we, um, what's the... Uh... What's the cure? Mm -hmm. Wake up and start with yourself. That's, you know, because you can yell at people and it's, it's going to piss them off and it's, it's uncool. So start with yourself and say, where am I being greedy? Where am I being full of hatred? Where am I delusional? And how can I, can I stop these things in myself? And then start making these small, compassionate decisions and trust that this will reign outwards.
Sounds like you're into interpersonal environmentalism. It might your turn. Maybe you're one of my uh, students. What are you calling it? E I I P E? Are you calling it I P E? No. Wait, do you actually have students that you teach this to? No, Ari, I don't. <laughs> I uh, just thought of it. Uh, but this term you invented, mm -hmm. you've been using this for a while, interpersonal. I mean, no one really listens, but I, t I try to repeat it now and then. <laughs> I like it. Your I stick did. is that you're that you're 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 cold, but your reality is that you're not. That's what I would say about you, Natasha. Thank you. The beginning of change happens when you acknowledge the pain. You have to feel the pain first, not cling to it, because I think we have a habit when you know if you say I'm terrified, it means you're waking up in the middle of the night and you're freaked about something. And if you can actually feel what the fear is, feel what the sadness is for me it's the grief about you know the california coast and the and the sea otters that are dying you know i feel intense grief about that the first thing you need to do is allow yourself to grieve and to feel it and to let that energy if you're lying on your stomach in bed let it flow out let it flow out of your body out of your heart and into the soil that's down below where you're sleeping i was just thinking if ari had that hat on this might not make it <laughs> have might as big an impact. As well. <laughs> so you let it feel. You, you let the <laughs> you let the emotion happen, and you let it flow through you. You don't cling to it because clinging to it becomes a, f a form actually of rejecting it, of not feeling it, and it makes you sick. It actually it can make you physically ill. So you feel it and let it flow through you, and then when you're in that state where you've actually allowed yourself to feel, then you have to trust that what your body and what your choices are going to be next are going to be the right ones. And that if you're making the right choices, you're making, you're, you're pushing the world, you're pushing the boat. You know, you're tugging the boat ever so slightly in the right direction. Maybe it's with your teeth and dental floss, but there's millions of other people pulling a really heavy boat and turning it, and you're one of them. Yay! You can follow host Ari Gold on Twitter and Instagram at Ari Gold, that's A-R-I-G-O-L-D, and on Facebook at Ari Gold Films. For more about the series director, visit moanred.com. That's M-O-A-N-R-E-D.